Artist Irene Taranas and her sister Phyllis grew up in the Quad Cities, experiencing life in a barrio and engaging in high-profile local protests. They agreed to sit down with us to discuss those days, how they influenced Irene's art, what Irene's current projects are, and how the old issues are still reflected today. Phyllis and I are part of six children, uh, my mom and dad. Uh, my mother was Maria Terrones, my dad was Felipe Terrones. And uh, when we grew up, we grew up in Cook's Point, which no longer exists. It was almost right across from Credit Island. Right. Um, it was a barrio uh, of uh, um, people that were recruited by the various uh, railroad companies to uh, to work the railroads. And um, many times in grade school, uh, the other classmates would taunt us Mexican uh, children, and they would say, go back where you came from. Well, we didn't come here. Our grandparents were recruited to work on the railroad, and they uh, they uh, uh, helped with the necessary building of the economy here in the Quad Cities. Uh, I believe that in the barrio that Mexicans came in about the 30s, and uh, my mom and dad uh, were uh, active in leading the community. Uh, there were a few blacks, black uh, people that lived there, I believe a few white people, but most of us were Mexicans. And uh, uh, some of us lived right across from the dump. We did not have running water. We did not have electricity. So as an artist, uh, when I was growing up, I do remember the vario in uh, Cook's Point. And uh, I remember running from our house, which was probably about five blocks from where my grandmother lived. And uh, my grandmother's house was like the hub of the mortuary. When people died, they would have the uh, funerals there. And uh, my grandmother was a, a very gre gregarious person, uh, and so I, I really used to love to go over there, so I would be constantly running back and forth. And uh, so all of these images I remember as I was growing up and being along the river uh, always fascinated me. And I remember even being on a raft in a pond uh, trying to navigate that before um, the whole neighborhood got really excited that I was out there by myself. Um, I believe it was in the 19, early 1950s, possibly the late 40s, 1949, where they decided to build a highway going through that area, and we were all forced to relocate. But the biggest problem was that many neighborhoods in uh, Davenport, Iowa, would not accept Mexican-Americans, even if we had the money to buy the homes. Now, consequently, my mother and my grandfather uh, decided to buy a tract of land, 10 acres, and uh, resettle there. So my grandfather, with the help of his sons and, I believe it was the Catholic Diocese of Davenport, helped uh, build the houses uh, out where Phyllis now lives, and maybe you can tell them where, where you live. Okay. I, I live on what they call River Drive, but initially uh, uh, 
the house the houses were moved there because uh, when my parents tried and grandparents, uncles and aunts tried to uh, rent or purchase a down payment on a house, they would say, "They uh, no, we don't we don't uh, rent or sell to Mexicans." So, uh, as Irene, my sister mentioned, they they had um, uh, purchased attractive land out on River Drive, and to this state, it's still at the courthouse. It's still titled Ramirez Subdivision. That was my mother's maiden name, Ramirez, and um, part of the story of relocation to River Drive from Cooks Point. There was three houses that went on rollers to. Uh, uh, to River Drive in uh, uh, St. Ambrose uh, uh, and the Catholic uh, Justice Group helped to uh, uh, relocate us and even uh, dig out uh, basements. And the Catholic newspaper, the Catholic Messenger here for the Diocese of Davenport on the Iowa side, uh, did a story about how this, this group called interfaith uh, justice group, um, which included many facets, the Jewish community, uh, the, the, the seminarians such as Father Marvin Modet, which is an icon here in the Quad Cities and uh, for, for justice and discrimination. They physically uh, dug out the basements for the three houses that came on rollers from Cook's Point, which is near Credit Island, over to excuse me, where we live, and it doesn't seem like now now that the River Drive is, is an open space, uh, you know, sometimes they drive 80 miles an hour instead of 45, but, but um, you know, to see the houses go on rollers and then go down there, but then, too, um, some of the people that were in construction, such as the Edsel family and uh, some of the other uh uh, construction people they came in and donated their their time and and their talent and their their some of the resources but but more than ever uh the way that uh, some of the people opened up their minds and their hearts where some doors were closed uh they opened their hearts and their minds to allow people to uh to, to make their way in the community, and, and uh, Irene is one of the examples of it, um, that uh, you can, as the saying says, uh, Cesar Chavez says, si se puede, yes, you can, you can do it, and, and, and many other cultures have that too. Um, uh, but uh, uh, uh want to thank all the people that, that helped us at that time. Uh, that was... Uh, part of uh of what the quad cities meant and then uh to this day we have uh, the interfaith group which he started too father uh, marvin modet but we also want to give thanks people from cook's point want to give thanks to all the people all the different groups of uh here in the quad cities including the the jewish federation what I did do, uh, I grew up, I went to West High School, and then I, I went to a uh, couple of years of college here in, in Davenport. Then I went to uh, Mexico City and went to school for one year. And that's where I saw the great murals and great Mexican paintings there. 
And uh, I was really, really influenced by all of that. Um, at one time, I had wanted to become a muralist, but I really got into uh, painting. Uh, but after Mexico City, I came back and I worked a couple of years at the Arsenal. Uh, then I looked for a school, found Cal State Long Beach that had an incredible, and they still do, art department. And uh, I was lucky enough to um, do classes like uh, uh, painting, figure painting, figure drawing. And consequently, when I did do my master's, uh, my project was on uh, called Reflections of a Mexican Heritage. And, of course, the figure, which I really loved drawing, uh, I decided to incorporate uh, my past and not just my past, but what uh, trying to pick symbols that merge the indigenous part of my heritage and the Spanish side. Now, I uh, particularly identified more with my indigenous past because after seeing the great murals by Orozco and uh, uh well, in the small paintings of Frida Kahlo, I uh, decided that I would use some of those things in my own work. And uh, so when I was at Cal State Long Beach, where I got my master's, I uh, took old photographs from our family uh, taken when we were in Mexico. Now, some of those photographs were by a professional photographer, and they are outstanding images in, in themselves. So what I did is, in some paintings, there are approximately, some of them are three feet by five feet, some of them are smaller, but there is this um, interaction of time and space where the photograph is painted this, um, and the figures in it are painted the same size as myself. I used myself as the contemporary person. And uh, so that and the one that I'm thinking of especially is the one where I decided to use uh, the ocean and place that barcle or that uh, flotilla on there and with uh, my mom's cousin and her standing. And then I was placed on the beach with the waves coming in, and I am sort of lunging towards it. And you can only see my back, and you can see their front. So it's almost as if here are some immigrant people, or any immigrant people, <laughs> coming in on a boat, and here I am, um, kind of watching them in the sense of a, a Rembrandt painting, only in the, not that it's, you know, anywhere close to that in terms of technique, but in terms of the interaction uh, when Rembrandt has his uh, figures interacting with each other. So I um, did him in oil. Uh, I did drawings first for it. And uh, I ended up doing a series, I think, of 10 paintings 
And uh, one of them is here at Augustana, uh, which has the um, my grandmother and grandfather, and they're laughing. And I am, because it just struck me that she was so gregarious that I wanted that kind of feeling. Plus, I wanted to uh, in- inject uh, the visually the time period, which would have been uh, the Cesar Chavez movement and the great boycott. So I included myself sitting on this um, crate that has the uh, labor union uh, insignia on it, the eagle. My mom and my brother, uh, John Terumas, they were pretty active. Uh, when that great boycott was happening here in Davenport, I have been traveling in and out so many times. I think I was here, but I'm not sure. Um, they, uh, my my mom, actually, when the Chavez came and Dolores Huerta came here, actually housed them, uh, providing a place for them to stay. Uh, when I was at Long Beach, uh, I met. Cesar Chavez, and I was so impressed by this small man, physically a small man, but just an incredible uh, determination to uh, do what he did. And then, of course, I've I've met Dolores Huerta, and she's from New Mexico. Uh, So the great boycott was probably over when I did this painting, but it was still an important thing. It was pretty still pretty fresh because I got that crate. And I remember that when they settled, uh, that crate hadn't been out there that long. Um, so when I was going to school out there, the Chicano movement was very strong. Uh, when I lived here in Iowa, uh, I... I wasn't involved that much because I believe I was, I can't remember what I was doing, working or something, I can't remember. But I have, uh, my mom and and, uh, my brother and Phyllis have been the real activists. Uh, (laughs) I've done it a different way, perhaps, uh, uh, but uh, I I probably reflected more on it rather than being a direct participant. Um, I, um, but I, 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 you know, I, I remember being uh, influenced by that movement. Uh, now, to inject some humor into it, because my grandmother was always joking around, I placed myself on that crate in the nude, okay? So you could just see my nalgas, and um, my grandma and my grandpa are laughing as they're looking out. I, I um, decided to do it in the snow because, you know, well, how many times do you see a nude person sitting on a crate in the snow? Uh, I, I, I have to keep saying, though, as I'm talking about it and kind of looking at this um, uh, copy, that I really, when I was in school uh, studying painting, and doing the painting, I was really influenced a lot by Rembrandt. I think what he did, uh, reflecting his culture, the Dutch people, I I just think that's really 
admirable. There's something about touching your roots and uh, really engaging with it in a way that you might not if you were part of the community. And sometimes, uh, because I did move away, um, I, and I am a, a, a uh, I like my own personal space. Uh, I, uh, I I have these engagements that where I do participate in New Mexico with the community, but not too often. I'm always the uh, kind of figure that kind of stands back, and I just love observing people and the interaction. And uh, I think... That's the kind of painting I've always done. And uh, what I do now with the land, because I am really attached to the land, uh, I just love the whole idea that I grew up by a river and I was born in Iowa and uh, I traveled to Mexico and lived there. But I I do have a strong connection to the land where I live now and the mountains. Uh, there's no doubt about it. The uh, the whole idea of just being able to move from one space to another has, uh, has always engaged me. Um, from there, on my second master's, I did a project called um, Ephem- Ephemeral Reflections. And those were drawings uh, they were like about four feet high by eight feet long. Uh, they were a combination of uh, silver pencil, spray paint, and uh, ink. And they had, uh, I wanted the feeling of of uh, something coming together or something as if, as if you're moving in the fog and you see these things materialize before you. Um, and uh, some of them are kind of like religious. Some of them are kind of like, um, uh, I wanted to get a sense of uh, any people seeing these and they could see themselves in it. It was more of an experiential feeling that I wanted from it rather than when you saw the paintings and you saw a story um, and you could read into the paintings what you wanted to, but on the ephemeral reflections, it was more about experiencing possibly sound, memories, um, and uh, what your own experiences were. And that was influenced by a lot of Mexican music I used to listen to at the time, and I was playing around with the idea of um, sound going past each other and how you would do that visually. So I was also influenced by Charles Ives and his Fourth of July uh, composition, where you, you definitely get the sound effect. I don't know how he did it, but as it the band is passing by, and you can hear it going by, and a sense of people talking. So when uh, the thing was exhibited, we turned on the lights, and uh, we I had some uh, music from different cultures that I taped. 
So you would have a combination of a Mexican music playing, and then you would have some Irish music coming in there, and sometimes they were layered. Uh, sometimes there was a sound that had nothing to do with uh, anything, and it was just a lot of playing around with sound and uh, visually, uh, ephemerally, things that people might experience anywhere. So I, after I left uh, my college years, uh, I moved around, and um, I lived in Iowa City for a while um, and did different things. At that time, I did some um, what you call shadow boxes. They were very small, and I exhibited those uh, throughout the country and because they were very easy to ship. Um, then I moved to uh, New Mexico in the early 80s, and uh, once I got myself established there, uh, I started doing uh, installations, and they were like large works of what I did in the shadow boxes. And um, also, I also did some sound pieces uh, where you were going down a corridor and you would have conversations at one station, and then you go to another station and you'd have these different sounds that uh, didn't have any kind of significance to them. I mean, they could actually be like um, drumming on a... I used to drum on barrels and record them. Um, so you, you just got a sense of going from one space to another space to another space. Then uh, after the installations, uh, I took on this project of... Uh, making a house, <laughs> and since I, I was not very good with a hammer, I decided I wasn't going to do a frame house. It was going to be adobe, and because uh, adobe is uh, has to have mud in between the blocks, and I always loved playing with mud. So I decided to make my house out of adobe and mud, and so um, I did that. Um, Inside those walls, I have placed um, poetry, uh, poetry by um, different poets, uh, local, uh, some that, you know, like are mainstays. Uh, I have put writings in there, um, some uh, Mexican poets, um, so that when the wind blows out there, which it does a lot, uh, that sound and that idea of the poetry inside the walls goes around you like an owl would go around your house. And it's, um, it's very magical. And then the other thing is that the wall itself is like four feet high by 14 inches wide. So I wanted to give a sense of some of the architecture that is in some of those um, pre-Hispanic archaeological sites. I wanted to have that sense, the massiveness. And I prob that's probably why the house is in adobe, because it is the, the, it is, by the time you put the mud on there and the stucco, it is about 20 inches wide 
and it's uh, it's massive. When you walk in there during the summer, it's like walking in a cave, and it can be like very hot out there, uh, ninety five degrees, a hundred degrees, and very hot, very dry. So when you walk into that house, it's like you're experiencing a totally different space. And so that's kind of where I am now. Um, it's it's been like a long road, but I just I love what I'm doing now. Now, the running which I do takes up quite a bit of my time, but uh, I have I try to do one marathon a year. Um, I don't think of myself as an athlete. I think of myself as a performance artist because when you are doing that run, you are not the same person <laughs> that you are when you're talking to your sister or, or your friend. You're a whole different person, and that space in there, because you are going through space physically, and mentally, you are going through space, too. But that space can be anywhere, and it can be in many directions at one time. So um, that's kind of where I am now. And uh, uh, the just one last thing I would like to mention, the I've been very, very... <laughs> Uh, dog-eared about uh, trying to get Irene's works uh, and the techniques out there because I think it's really important that we not only have uh, a woman artist, a Latina artist, but somebody here from the old Mississippi uh, region, uh, you know, show us uh, with determination it can be done and also... um, the people that are open, they're open their hearts and minds to it. But uh, that painting that I donated to, I'm an alumni of, of uh, Augustana, and I donated the painting that the the forefront is the snow scene. And then the insert is a picture of my grandma and grandpa sitting there in the summertime because my grandpa's got a, a summertime type of uh uh, attire. He's got one of those ribbed uh, uh, sleeveless T-shirts, and so you know it's it's um, it's uh, it's uh, uh, summertime in that picture. But yet the, the snow scene and Irene sitting on that that uh, fruit crate that's got the the boycott uh, uh, emblem on there. Uh, I think that's it's, uh, uh, very commendable, especially the young people, because even though they're not out as many picketing as we were in the cold and the snow and so forth. And um, um, but uh, someday, you know, if it's social media that they're going to do it, or if if now if they're the young people are starting to go back, not just the young people, but even people my age, we're going back and revisiting those issues because. Those issues have to be, if we're going to survive as uh, human beings, we have to uh, inter- interface with other people and maybe our issues and our possible solutions are different in a different perspective, but that's the only way we're going to um, advance. Since I also write poetry, uh, the Mississippi River is a strong image in the poetry. 
and uh, uh, I kind of write free form, and then, uh, as as many poets do, uh, condense it. Uh, but um, that image has become really strong for me, um, uh, living in the desert. And uh, also some of my projects I'm working on now, besides the house and the wall uh, and the land, is um, I make these papier-mâché boats. And uh, some of them are like about five feet long, uh, probably, you know, almost uh, life-size. Some of them are small boats. And... um, I just love the whole idea of uh, making a boat out of paper and then uh, the idea of uh, using words, especially about the water and the Mississippi River and actually placing the boat on that. And someday uh, I haven't really exhibited a whole lot since the late 90s. So uh, I'm thinking that I would really like to do that with those boats. And uh, I could see the Mississippi River being a really, really strong part of that. That was Irene and Phyllis Taranas discussing art and growing up in the Mexican barrio of Cook's Point in Davenport. Señor César Chavez, un